0: Welcome back to Public Health Plus, the show after the show. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. We mentioned many times how we were both very tired of this mentality, how if there's a little flaw in the solution, then we just shouldn't use the solution altogether. And another mentality is the, we don't care how much collateral damage this does, as long as we get to punish that one group of people as much as possible. And the reason why I thought about this is because Dr. McGinty mentioned the criminalizing drug use during pregnancy that policy, which just one example of the many types of, I don't know if this is the right term, like blanket policies, where it's just, it doesn't allow for any flexibility. It doesn't allow for any exceptions. And it doesn't really think about how it affects people. It's just that this is a behavior that we, quote unquote, we think is morally wrong. So we're just going to have like a blanket policy and we don't care how much damage that it does.
1: So I, I get where you're coming from, although I'm not sure I'm 100% with your framing. So public health is all about blanket policies. Public health is all about we need... A set of rules, procedures, right. policies, whatever it is that applies to as many people as possible. I see.
0: I see. To yeah. try to
1: get public health benefits. So I think it's less about sort of how broad a policy yeah. is and more about we have not always done a good job of attending to these unintended consequences. Sometimes not unintended either, just the consequences, the harms associated with a policy when we put them in place. Like we don't care that a particular group is is going to yeah. be harmed by it. And often that can be the intent. Like, you can't tell me that criminalizing drug use during pregnancy was not intended to harm the people that it is targeting.
0: Right. So blanket is the wrong word.
1: It's not that it is a blanket policy. It's right. that we don't care about the consequences. Yeah. Just because something is a blanket policy does not, by definition, make it a bad thing, right? Like requiring everyone to get a driver's license before you can drive a car is a blanket policy. <laughs> that's right? a like, good thing. Right, <laughs> Right. that's a good thing. You know, saying, hey, you can't drink alcohol until you're 21.
0: Also a good thing. That's right. a blanket
1: policy, right? Like, so by definition a blanket policy is not necessarily a bad right. thing and that's often the approach we take it's when we are not attentive to those harms and consequences that it becomes a problem
0: yeah and you mentioned how these some sometimes these are either implicitly or explicitly meant to punish people and this is just one of several examples So, for example uh, criminalizing marijuana Right. There was very explicit language. Like if you actually dug into the law, that law, like when it was formulated, God knows how many decades ago. But if you actually dug into the laws, like there were very explicit language of how this was meant to. Target specifically African Americans. And there's a lot of these policies like this that, whether by design, a lot of those by design or not by design, have this type of we don't care about collateral damage type of approach.
1: In the new Jim Crow, Michelle Alexander does a really great job of laying out how, by framing, you know, sort of the war on drugs and the criminals who are using drugs, we were able to actually use race neutral policies to continue creating a class. System where we are oppressing black and brown bodies in communities through. Laws that don't have references to race in them, but the way they are implemented and the populations that they are targeting, everybody knew in the 80s and 90s what it meant when people were talking about criminals and all these other folks.
0: Yeah. Again, it's awful that we have so many policies like this, and hopefully we see some legislative action to get them overturned or just form better policies. And I think this links back to public health because it's another reason why public health wants several layers of solution rather than one solution, right? Instead of saying that, oh, if you use drug during pregnancy, then automatically your child's going to get taken away from you. Automatically, this is going to happen.
1: Well, and I think, you know, reflecting back on some of the things that Dr. Beth McGinty talked about us with in our Thursday episode, people wrongly equate uh, medication for opioid use disorder with opioids. Yeah. They think if you are taking these medications to support your recovery, that you are still using drugs. So if you are on, you know, these medications and you're trying to seek care, you people are holding, you know, people are punishing these women um, for actually trying to protect themselves and their children from, you know, withdrawal symptoms, etc., so I think there's this desire to paint everything into a, like a black and white box. Yes, Maybe that's sort I of what, so, you're, yeah. what you were getting at. That it is it is either this thing or right. it's you're not. You're either
0: a drug user or you're not.
1: Not understanding that there are some shades of gray.
0: I just thought about like, it is a behavior that we want to discourage, right? We don't want people to use drugs when they're pregnant. Sure. But how do we... I just can't come up with a good solution for it. I think it.
1: this is my... Thought in general, not specific to drug use during pregnancy. Okay. But for the last, I don't know, 40 years or so, we have taken a very punitive approach to individuals who are using drugs. Yes. And we have thrown the book at people we have taken a very heavy stick approach we punish people for using for for distributing for whatever so the distribution side okay like we want to f- you know make things safer and hold people accountable for selling drugs let's let's put that aside for a moment but we are punishing and stigmatizing people for Something that becomes an illness. You know, I think Beth mentioned that there's DSM criteria for for substance use disorders or for these these issues, and so we haven't learned. Like they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. We as a country have not learned yet no. <laughs> that punishing people for using drugs is not effective. If you look at other countries that take a different approach, where they provide supportive services, they provide treatment, they don't send people to jail or prison, and then, you know, they come out and and are right back in the same situations they were in before. They provide them care. You know, it it can take multiple attempts for somebody to try to quit before they are successful and can enter recovery. And so, you know, we sort of throw people out as, as trash the first time around rather than investing in them and supporting their recovery and their growth. So I think the the bigger issue is we keep, this is a definition of insanity, MJ, we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again with people who right. use <laughs> drugs and assume and think we're going to get a different result. Until we change the way we are responding to these individuals, right. we aren't going to change the public health impacts or you know really have any kind of lasting success.
0: Yeah. And I totally agree. I think a lot of this trace back to, I don't know what's the term for it? like moral lawmaking, where it's like, we deem this as an immoral behavior. And because of that framework, we get a lot of these like punitive laws. Like I just heard an episode of another podcast about mandatory minimums. Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> and people were getting thrown like five years for like the stupidest reasons that like that they really shouldn't get 5 years for it but because of the mandatory minimum literally judges would sometimes be in tears whether physical or metaphorical tears about like I I know you didn't do this and I know you don't deserve this but the law says I need to give you 5 years
1: right and this is something we I think I've maybe talked about before but just to bring back up again There is very good evidence and data that black and white Americans use drugs at the same rates, Yeah, but they are white Americans are far less likely to be arrested or incarcerated sort of each step along the criminal justice process. They are less likely to have a negative outcome. And that is largely to do with where we prioritize our drug law enforcement activities. Oh, yes. People are not doing drug law enforcement in Roland Park in Baltimore City. They're doing it in, you know, East Baltimore, West Baltimore. That is by design. That is, again, we have race neutral laws regulating gun drugs, excuse me, we have race neutral laws regulating drugs. But where we use those resources and the individuals that are targeted with those resources is not race neutral. It's by design.
0: I'm sure Wall Street does a lot of cocaine, right? Well, but there's, I there's don't hardly. know.
1: But you know, having seen some movies about Wall Street, maybe.
0: Yeah, but you don't see drug busts on a Wall Street, right? And then, do you know John Mulaney, the comedian?
1: Um, perhaps, but I'm god awful with names, so I don't. I would know his face, don't know his name. <laughs>
0: So he he did a bit where he was, like, uh, talking about, I don't know, marijuana, and then he dropped this line, which I thought it it was funny, but it also so sad how true it is, and he was looking at, like, a white audience member, and he's like, marijuana? Oh, no, don't pretend that marijuana is a hard drug. Marijuana has always been legal for us, and... I thought that was that was just it got a big laugh, but I thought that was just so sobering. No,
1: I'm, I'm glad you raised that. And actually, this reminded me of something I was going to mention earlier when you had first brought up marijuana, which was when we think about the populations and the communities that have been uh, that have suffered the greatest impact of drug law enforcement activities you know, thinking, let's just focus in on marijuana for a moment. Yeah. When states began to legalize either mm-hmm. medical marijuana or recreational marijuana, there was no concerted effort to ensure communities that had been impacted by this drug law enforcement were able to get a seat at the table to participate in this new legal market. Yeah. Right, And it, it went to often, you know, sort of white upper class folks and businesses Well, who could now make money off of this? So not only did we punish people and sort of prevent generational wealth acquisition for lots of folks because they were black now that they honestly, these are folks who probably have some
0: great advice, maybe good
1: expertise in, in some of this stuff and they're being boxed out. Again, and this is sometimes by design. Like we are not being intentional in including people Uh who are coming from impacted communities when we are changing the way we are regulating things. It's just just another example of how yeah, how
0: messed up it is.
1: (laughs) We work towards the benefit to ourselves. It's something that Dr. Ibram X. Kendi talks about in his book How to Be an Anti-Racist is. Like the reason these policies and procedures are still in place, sort of that the structures that we have for structural racism and all these other things are because people benefit from them.
0: Yes. Otherwise, why would you have them? Right.
1: Right. (laughs) If a certain population was not benefiting, we would, you know, that sort of the group in power wasn't continuing to benefit, then we would change it. And until we recognize our privilege that comes from the structure of our society, we can't really move forward to dismantle these systems
0: shout out to dr candy big fans
1: yeah big fan of dr Kendi. he has a podcast
0: yes he does which yeah.
1: you should listen to if you don't already yeah dr Kendi is he's very inspiring i got to see him do a a super brief fireside chat <gasps> with dr Keisha oh porter oh my god last month it was ah! i was just geeking out i was like yay i'm so happy right now Obviously it was a virtual fireside chat but still like of course, of course. a great life experience. Big
0: fan. Dr. Candy, big shout out. Candy. What did I say?
1: You keep calling him Candy?
0: Can't Wait, wait, say it again.
1: It's Candy. Ken. K E N D I Candy.
0: Can't Can Oh my God, Ken, Candy, Ken, okay, like a
1: Ken doll, okay.
0: Candy, Candy. Oh my God! So
1: the first time it wasn't super noticeable, but then basically every time you said it after that, you were calling him Doctor Candy. So
0: <laughs> I have a lot of pronunciation issues. I know. So you know the animal wolf? <laughs> yeah, the animal. Uh huh. You know what sound they make? They howl. No, W O O F. Wolf. I can't do W O L F and W O O F.
1: Wolf and wolf.
0: Wolf and wolf. See,
1: wolf and woof. I can't pronounce
0: wolf and wolf did i say the same thing again you did wolf and wolf
1: wait which one are you trying to say first are you trying to say the animal? i'm trying to
0: say animal and then sound but i think they just end up sounding the same wolf 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 okay we're gonna end the episode it's getting absurd
1: Thank you for listening to Public Health Plus, the show after the show. You can expect these more spicy and opinionated episodes every Monday.
0: If you like the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It does help us immensely and spread the word about the show.
1: Join us every Thursday, as always, for our main episodes. And remember, everything is public health.
0: Everything is public health.